Welcome to a podcast from Hope Church Glasgow. For more about us, check out hopechurchglasgow.org. Hello and welcome to the 1921 East Coast Revival in Scotland Part 2. In this part, we are going to be um, listening to newspaper reports and eyewitness accounts from the time. This is a collection of contemporary accounts, stories from the time of the 1921 revival. Looking back to the wonderful things that God has done in the past, some Christians have a tendency to embroider the stories. We are so keen to glorify God that sometimes we exaggerate. But God doesn't need our help. We just need to state the facts plainly. That's what we have in these newspaper and eyewitness accounts recorded as God was at work a hundred years ago. Most of these stories come from places I have known since childhood, places where relations live and where we spent family holidays, places that I love. Reading about what God did in Scotland and Aberdeenshire and the Murray Firth coast a hundred years ago touches me deeply. There is life and fire in these stories, and I have felt my heart strangely warmed reading them again. I have been moved to tears, and Habakkuk 3.2 wells up within me. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe at your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. So what you will hear now on this podcast is not just history, there's fire in these stories, because Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. My prayer is that you and I would catch this fire. Many of these reports and quotes come from Floods Upon the Dry Ground by Jackie Ritchie. Both his parents were converted in the 1921 revival and he wrote floods upon the dry ground round about 1980 when most of the converts were old people but many were still around to tell their stories. So are about 15 stories and extracts that I've got for you. First a story from Fenechte um, near Bucky. This is from October 1921. Jackie Ritchie writes... The weekend after the drifters had sailed for East Anglia, a Salvation Army officer, along with a mother and her young lassie, walked up the hill after the meeting in the Salvation Army Hall. The captain remarked that there were only 11 or 12 in the service due to the fishing and the lack of interest in spiritual things. Suddenly, the three of them stopped in their tracks as they realised the situation. They fell to their knees and began to pray, crying upon God to do something. Soon their hearts were at rest as they were assured that something great was on the way. As they arose from their knees that Sunday night, souls belonging to their beloved town were finding Jesus Christ as their saviour hundreds of miles away in Yarmouth and Lowestoft. Nearly 60 years later, the sacredness of that moment dawned on me as I listened to that young lassie, now an old woman, tell me the story. During the next week, letters and telegrams began to arrive at Fenechte, telling of the blessing flowing at Yarmouth. Some of the most unlikely characters were being saved there. But things were happening here at home too. Women were being converted at the wash tub, in the shops and in the mending lofts. By the next weekend, there was a large improvement in the attendance at the meeting house. Now we've got the Glasgow Herald. This is December 1921. <clears throat> the prairie fire of religious revival is raging along the coasts from Wick to Peterhead. 
It was kindled by a torch lit at Yarmouth and Lowestoft. It is filling the kirks and emptying the pubs. We came back with name muckle siller, but we saved souls, is the frequent remark made. They speak affectionately of Jock and Douglas, meaning their leaders, Jock Troop, a Heron Cooper from Wick, and Reverend A. Douglas Brown, a Baptist minister from London. It is obvious that prayer and confidence are the weapons with which this battle is being fought. Meetings started in the open air, then the churches opened their doors and hundreds professed salvation. It won't last long, they said, but the fisher folks are home from East Anglia and in every port they are spreading the message. The churches have been revived. The Elgin Courant and Courier. This is the 2nd December 1921. The inhabitants of Hopeman have been greatly blessed by the recent revival in Yarmouth. Large open-air services are held in prominent places and services held inside with the help of the Reverend J. Cameron of the United Free Church and the Reverend S. Conway at the Baptist Church. Many who have been converted are those who have served their country in the 1914-18 war. A feature of this revival in 1921 was different churches and church leaders working together and sharing pulpits. The Buchan Observer, 6 December 1921. Now, Buchan is the far northeast area of Aberdeenshire and Peter Head, Peter Heed was called the Blue Toon because it was such a cold place. Religious revival still continues to spread in Peterhead. The movement has been taken up with great enthusiasm by the Salvation Army. During the past week, open airs have been held every night. Note, this is December, and in Peterhead in December, it's dark by 4pm. Young fishermen and fisher girls have given testimony to the experience of salvation. A stimulus has been given to the revival through a united effort by the Congregational and United Free Churches. The People's Journal. More about Peterhead. 10th December 1921. A stirring incident took place at the monument in Broad Street, Peterhead, when 34 people threw themselves on a muddy road crying to Christ to save them. At an indoor meeting later in the Salvation Army, Forte knelt at the penitent form. The testimonies were tremendous. There was a hardened character who threatened his wife with a razor who got converted and then his wife followed him. Now, it was a feature of this revival that people who were who, who were converted in the outside open air meetings would kneel down on the ground. And this is this is November and December. And sometimes the people preaching would lay down their coats and jackets so the people could kneel down on their jackets. Now, we're still in Peter Heed. This is the People's Journal, 17th December 1921. This is a longer um, article. People are thronging the streets going to church. Nine out of ten can be counted on being bound for a place of worship. They are not the conventional type of churchgoer, with them religion is part of themselves, not to be confused with the donning of fine raiment. So one discovers them in the garb of their calling, the men in blue jerseys and caps, the women in shawls. But there are well-dressed people sprinkled among them, which shows that the movement is not confined only to the fisher class. Where the church should hold 500, 1,000 or more contrive to find an entry and the doorway is blocked, 
with those who fain would get in. There is no waiting for the fixed hour for the beginning. Prayer is offered spontaneously without a break. The worship switches again into hymn choruses. Voluntary testimonies are frankly and eagerly made by young converts. Tales of drink and gambling, of domestic unhappiness, of soured existence flow from the lips of men and women who passionately plead with the unconverted. There is insistence on one point, the acceptance of Christ as the only road to salvation. Figures of tens and twenties move down the aisles of places of worship to prostrate themselves at the stool of repentance. More come to increase the numbers of motionless figures at the front. It is an experience that sends a thrill through your veins. The people refuse to leave the building and once more the singing breaks out as full-throated as ever. Now we're moving up the coast to Fraserborough, the Broch. Fraserborough Herald, 13th December 1921. One of the most unemotional ministers in the town, who has not so far identified himself with the movement, declared at the close of his sermon on Sunday, the Spirit of God is working powerfully in this town. There is absolutely no doubt about that. State church people may be shocked by some of the things that are being said and done, but we must exaggerate charity for great good is being wrought. Another reporter states, I went along to the congregational church and found it full three quarters of an hour before the service even started and I failed to get in. Then I went to the market square where a few hundred folks were singing and testifying to the new experience of salvation and peace. Later I made my way back to the congregational church and was fortunate to get into the porch and hear Troop preach. His text was, I am the way. He was shouting at the pitch of his voice with arms and legs in motion all the time. Now we're heading north to Wick. This is the Northern Ensign or the John O'Groats Journal, 14th December 1921, the next day. Wick. The revival inaugurated in Wick by the local fishing community continues to be held twice a day, afternoon and night at the Salvation Army Hall. Evening service on Sunday was held in Rifle Hall, which was not sufficient to accommodate all who wanted to attend. Staff Captain Rohu of Aberdeen gave the address. The converts already registered number over 400. The Northern Ensign, Wick. 21st December 1921. The meetings in the Salvation Army Hall continued with marked success, with wonderful conversions taking place. Several fishermen converts have left for West Coast fishing. On board, the Mispa is manned entirely by men who have professed Christianity, and their departure last week for the Stornoway fishing was a scene of great interest at the harbour. The boat sailed with a Salvation Army flag flying from her masthead and the crew and their friends sang revival hymns. The boat was stormbound at Scrabster and the, the crew went to Thurso Salvation Army and held meetings where a number professed conversion. Stories of lives transformed at Wick. 
The testimony meetings on Sunday afternoons were special occasions. Don Rosie told of how he stopped smoking six weeks before he got saved in a meeting run by Douglas Brown at St George's Yarmouth. It was said that he was one of God's gentlemen. He sailed in the motor drifter Bray Flett with the Flett brothers, and at one time the entire crew were all saved men. Another hard case, an engineer of the steam drifter said, You ask how I know I'm saved. I'll tell you. Before I got saved, I would find myself under the bed on a Sunday morning because I was so drunk I couldn't get into it on Saturday night. Now I am in bed on a Sunday morning, and I, for I have never touched a drop of drink since I got saved. Another said, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. How do I know? Well, yesterday I went into Walter Craig's shoppy and on the counter were some knives. I could not steal them. Before I got saved, I would have had two or three in my pocket. How these uneducated men loved to tell in their own way the change that had been wrought in their lives since Jesus had come to abide in their hearts. They were so keen to testify that the leader during a meeting had to insist on order as two or three would have spoken at once. Another life that was transformed was David Cordner from Peterhead, a young man. David was saved as a lad of 13. Then in 1921, he went with a fisherman to Yarmouth. While on board his drifter, God spoke to him and he heard the call to become a preacher. But David was a shy, quiet lad. And when he shared this with his shipmates, they told him he would never do it. When he got home, he told his mother. She also said he would never be able to preach because he was too quiet. Before I went to Yarmouth, he said, Satan had me in his grip, but God did a work in me at Yarmouth one night and I rededicated my life to Christ and his service. Now, that young man was really changed by God. The power of God came, came upon him and he was used in Peterhead just the same way the jock troop was used by God in Fraserborough, the neighbouring town. He he spoke at open air meetings in Peterhead to crowds of hundreds for six weeks non-stop with large numbers responding to the gospel. A story about that is in A Forgotten Revival by Stanley Griffin, pages 71 to 72. Now we'll get to 1923, the Port Revival of 1923. Portoy was well known along the Murray Firth coast as a place that revival passed by. In fact, some of the people at the town were proud of this fact. A friend from Portoy told me that it became known as the Wicked Tune because of this. However, all that was to change in 1923. There is a wonderful account round about this time by the Cullen Salvation Army officer called William Leed, who was transferred to Cullen from Clapton in East London, where there was a large Salvation Army base. In a prayer meeting in Cullen, he became convinced that people were turning to God right then in Port Soy. Later, he met one of his lieutenants and found out that nine young men had responded to the gospel that night. The next day, there were six more. He goes on in his report. We engaged the town hall and 26 were registered, meaning registered as converts. And so it went on. 
The town hall was packed nightly, floor and gallery, many unable to gain admittance. The town seemed transformed. One somehow felt the spiritual atmosphere everywhere. The glory of the Lord seemed to hover over the place. Singing could be heard from the houses as the converts gathered to praise God everywhere. I recall a wonderful occasion when an elderly lady pulled me from the street into her home saying, pray with me, Captain, I want to mark my peace with God. William Leed summed up 1923 in Port Soy with this verse from the Bible. And the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Acts 11.21. Now, interestingly, um, Destiny Church Portsoy meets in the old Salvation Army that saw, uh, the old Salvation Army building that saw great things happening nearly 100 years ago. May it happen again in Portsoy, we pray. We're going to jump far south to Eyemouth. Late in 1921, there were scenes of rejoicing in Eyemouth, just north of Berwick, on the Tweed. As the vessels approached the quay, the sound of hymn singing could be heard drifting over the water. Ten years later, in 1931, Jock Troop visited Eyemouth for a mission and found that the spirit of revival was still evident in the town. Jock preached in the open air from the seat of a baby Austin and crowds of 3,000 gathered to hear him and many people responded to, to him and the message and put their faith in Christ. Finally, back to the Murrayfirth coast, to Gardenston, Gamray to locals. Jackie Ritchie writes of the lasting effect of the 1921 revival in the lives of the young converts in the village of Gamray. Round about 1980, he writes of lasting fruit, saying, Today, after almost 60 years, the effects of the revival are still visible in the Church of Scotland, which is outstanding in its evangelical testimony and a thriving brethren assembly. I can remember the life, the spiritual life that there was in Gardenston from my childhood. My last point, number 15, is that the denominations carefully tested the revival and Jock Troop was called to give a report to the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland. The United Free Church sent three ministers up to the northeast to scout things out, and this is the summary of their report, which was published by the issue of deputies in the last week of December 1921. They wrote, we went to meetings together and individually, so we have this to say. To our minds, it is a genuine awakening. It is a work of God. The men whose names come to the front would be the last to take credit. They are honest modest young men with a humble idea of their own ability. Those brought to a decision of Christianity are young men in the 18 to 30 age group. We have interviewed the local leaders, David Cordner at Peterhead and Jock Troop at Fraserborough. However, here we are today at this moment in 2021. We are 100 years on from the 1921 revival. The generation saved in the 1921 revival, our grandparents' generation and great-grandparents' generation for younger listeners, they have all passed on to be with the Lord. They caught the fire in their day, but the fire still burns today. 
So we sing a song which is a prayer for our generation and the days we live in. For the sake of the world, burn like a fire in me. Light a flame in my heart for every eye to see. For the sake of the world, burn like a fire in me. For every knee to bow down, for every heart to believe, for every voice to cry out, burn like a fire in me. For every tongue to confess that you alone are the king, you are the hope of the earth, burn like a fire in me. Let's catch the fire. Thank you for listening. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, or search Hope Church Glasgow on your favourite podcast player.